for him. But we're going to see that even though Jeremiah was commissioned at the age of 17, the work that God had for Jeremiah was planned out by God long before that time. We see in Jeremiah 1, verse 4 to 5, it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah's writing this. Well, actually, Jeremiah's not writing this. He's having someone else scribe what he's saying. But now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So God comes to Jeremiah when he's 17 years old. He says, I have a job for you, Jeremiah. And it is a job that before you were born, I had planned out for you, and I consecrated you for it. That means I set you apart, right? It's the same idea as how God sets apart the firstborn. It's the same idea as how the temple of God is consecrated and set apart as holy. God sets apart Jeremiah before he was born. He says, I consecrated you for the role of being a prophet to my people and to the nations. So Jeremiah had a very specific purpose on his life before he was even born. And God gives us this reason for why he commissioned Jeremiah into this role. God says, before you were even conceived, Jeremiah, before I had formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. God's saying, I, I gave you this role because I knew you. you. You weren't even born yet. You weren't even a thought in your parents' minds. But I knew you. And it's out of that knowledge of you that I decided to give this role of prophet to you. Now, the meaning of the word translated new in the Hebrew, it involves this idea that when God knitted Jeremiah together, he considered him. I mean, he, he looked at his personality, he looked at his talents, he looked at his traits that he had knitted into him, and he knew Jeremiah would be able to do the role that he had for him to do. It's like a, it's like a pep talk from your Heavenly Father. It's like, Jeremiah, you can do this, right? You know, as a kid, when you're little and your parents are like, I believe in you, you can do this, you got this. You're like, all right. You know, you can jump over mountains. It's kind of like that. God's like, Jeremiah, I knew you, you got this. And it's a pep talk from God. Do you know that God has the same kind of intentionality, the same kind of foresight, and the same kind of planning for each one of us in Christ? Because Ephesians 2, 10 makes that undeniable. The parallels between Jeremiah and someone who is in Christ are significant when it comes to God's preparation of the works that he has for us. Jeremiah was consecrated. He was set apart. And a follower of Christ is consecrated, is set apart through faith in Jesus. This is what 1 Peter 2.9 says, right? About all followers of Jesus. It says, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. That means you've been set apart. You're a people for God's own possession. And just as God chose Jeremiah and appointed him a prophet before he was born, God planned work for you in his kingdom before you were born again in Christ. Like, that's incredible. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. You were created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand. And so God prepared work for Jeremiah in advance, and God prepared work for you and I in advance in his kingdom. And why did he prepare these specific works for us? Because he knows us. 
meaning the work that he has for us is based on what he knows about us. And here's what that should do for you, and here's what that should do for me. That should strengthen us. That should encourage us. We should be like, yes, God, let's go. We should be so excited about that, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But first, let's look at more the reality of what happens by looking at Jeremiah's response, because Jeremiah's response is similar to how we often respond. Jeremiah 1, verse 6. Then I said, ah, Lord God. That's literally what I said. I said, ah, Lord God. Like, don't you love the Bible? This is one of those things that makes me go, oh, the Bible's true. Because if I'm Jeremiah, I'm going, yes, Lord. That's how I responded. I'm ready. He's like, ah, Lord. Behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. So Jeremiah responds to God's call. And he pinpoints two concerns that he has. He says, God, I'm young, and I don't know how to speak. Jeremiah is pointing out his lack of experience to do what God is calling him to do. Here's the thing, though. Like Jeremiah, you and I are always going to step into a role that God has for us inexperienced. Because we get experience through the role. And in our weakness, he is strong. So, the example, the first time I preached at youth, awful. I was like, why? No, she's so no, she's so kind to me. She's so kind. And I was, it was awful. I was so nervous. And I think I was like this the whole, I don't think I looked up. My voice was shaking. I was monotone. I was talking the whole time like this. I don't know why parents let their kids come back. Maybe they didn't know what had happened, but it was awful. But we grow into it, right? We, we can't expect that God's going to call us into something. We're going to be experts right off the bat. That's not how it works, right? Underneath Jeremiah's specific objections of, I'm young, I, I can't speak, was what? Well, under his objections was fear. Jeremiah was afraid. And we know that it was fear, and we know what kind of fear it was because of how God responds to Jeremiah in verse 8. God says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So Jeremiah is worried, and God says, do not be afraid of them, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was struggling with the fear of man. He's looking at what God has called him to do, and he's thinking, there's no way. I'm young. They're not going to respond to what I have to do. I'm not even a good speaker. How am I going to do this? They're going to laugh me out of the place. He's worried that people aren't going to listen to him, that people aren't going to take him seriously. He is worried about the response of people that he will receive. And that is so often what you fear and what I fear. What are they going to say about me? What are they going to think about me if I actually step out and do this work for God? And sometimes the worst part about it is we don't even always fear those who are outside of Christ. We fear those in Christ as well. If I step into this, what are they going to think? What are they going to say about me? And that fear so often keeps us from stepping into the good works that God has prepared for us to walk in. 
But here's the incredibly powerful thing. If we can get this in our heads and we can keep it as a treasure in our hearts, God who prepared the work beforehand that he has for you and I to do, created you in Christ for the work. Like, God is a master planner. God is a master builder. He made you, and he knows you way better than you know yourselves. And he knows what he has knitted you together for, and he will help you through the power of his Holy Spirit. That will be sufficient for you to do the work that he has for you. God is not like, here's what I have for you to do. Good luck! and leaves you, he knows us. He knows what he has knitted together into each one of us, and he prepares the work for us accordingly. And it will absolutely push us. It will absolutely stretch us. But that is what a good father does, right? For those of you who have children, right? We stretch our children, right? If they don't want to do something, we're not like, oh, well, maybe next time. No, this is good for you. It's going to stretch you. I want you to do it. And they grow through it. It's the same thing that God does with us. He's going to push us. He's going to challenge us. He's going to move us outside of our comfort zone because that's where we grow. But here's what you can trust unwaveringly when God does that, that he has a work for us that he knows we are able to do. And he will always support us. He will always be with us who serve him in the tasks that he has given us. You know why? Because any task that God gives us is ultimately his task. Any task that God gives us is ultimately his purpose. And it is ultimately for his kingdom and for his glory. God says to Jeremiah, don't be afraid of them because I'm with you to deliver you. And God gives us the same kind of promise over and over and over again in his word. We, we look at the Great Commission. God says, go into all the earth. I am with you always to the end of the age. That wasn't just for the disciples, to the end of the church. That's for us. God is with us to the end of the age as we go and make disciples. Jesus promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 19 to 20, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is at work in us. Like That's pretty amazing. So why would we shrink back from the work God has for us if we believe these things? But the reality is that we do shrink back because we get caught up in the fear of man. And we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean if we are more afraid of men than God? What does it say about our faith? What does it say about what we believe if we're more terrified of what a man thinks of us or a woman thinks of us than what God thinks of us? It's something we need to wrestle out, all of us. God gives us a call. He gives us a purpose. You know what he does with Jeremiah, and he does it with us? He reassures Jeremiah. In verse 9, God, it says, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. That's amazing. Jeremiah's like, I, I'm young. I don't know how to speak, God. And God's like, boop. <laughs> my words are in your mouth. I will give you what to say. 
And you and I, as followers of Christ, have the same promise. God has covered us in the same way. Look at Luke 12, 11 to 12. It says, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This is a promise for the disciples. This is a promise for us. When we are in a difficult situation, whether it be persecution, whether it be hardship, whether it be a challenge that we're facing, when we're standing before others and we need to give an account, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to give us the words to say. We need not be afraid of them. We need not be anxious because God is with us. A big problem with why people don't step out in faith and don't do things for God is because they don't believe that. They think, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. We're stuck in this Western mindset. We have to keep learning and learning and learning and learning. No, we don't. We have the Holy Spirit within us. Trust me, you know enough. A lot of us know too much, and that's why we're lazy, and we just sit there and do nothing. We need to step out and trust the Holy Spirit is going to give us the words to say when we do that, when we find ourselves in a difficult situation. But you're not going to know that until you take that step. So many of us don't trust it because we've never actually tried it. So like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. If you do it, then you'd see, wow, look at that, God showed up. Have you ever had those situations where someone asks you a question about your faith and stuff just starts coming out and you're like, where is that coming from? I didn't know I knew that. I was back there somewhere. And the Holy Spirit brings it up. Exactly what is needed to say. We need to trust the Lord that he's going to do these things that he says he'll do. Next thing God does for Jeremiah is he, he outlines Jeremiah's role further. Now, I, I find these next verses very interesting. Verse 10. Because as I was looking at this verse, I, I want us to keep something in mind. Um, we're going to see later in the book of Jeremiah that Jeremiah becomes incredibly discouraged over his call. Like at one point, he's just like, he literally goes as far as to say, God, you deceived me. Like he's angry <laughs> with the Lord. But I think part of his discouragement, part of his disappointment stems back to the expectations that Jeremiah had that he may have developed in his mind regarding God's call from what God says in verse 10. Because I was a young man once, I'm still a young man, young-ish, and I can just imagine what Jeremiah was thinking. Look at, look at verse 10. God says, see, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, you hear that as a young man, you're like, yes, that's amazing. What do you mean? I'm going to be over kingdoms? I'm going to tear things up and destroy things and build and plant? It's like, let's go. That sounds awesome. That's what I would have in my mind, right? You know, it's interesting. We we give the disciples a really hard time. We give the Israelites a really hard time for misunderstanding Jesus. Right? When Jesus was on earth, they were thinking he was going to come and he was going to raise up an army and he was going to conquer their enemies and he was going to restore the kingdom of Israel on earth. And we give them a really hard time. But you know what? We can be as zealous about what we think good works in God's kingdom is going to be like. 
We can often have an idea of what success will look like in God's kingdom, and it is way more based on what success is in the world than in the kingdom of God. And I think that's what happens to Jeremiah after what God said to him in verse 10. Because I know what it's like. When I was a young man, that's exactly what happened to me. I had an idea of what being a pastor would be like. Right? You step into the role, you're like, the church is going to explode. Right? We're going to see crazy growth. God's going to do amazing things, healings, and all these. Like, yeah, it's going to be awesome all the time. And that's not the reality. That's not the reality. In reality, being a pastor is much more about trying to move the dial from one point to the next very slowly over time. Right? There's ups and there's downs. There's, there's seasons where you feel like you're toiling. You're like, God, what are you doing? Anything? Right? It's like sometimes you're like, am I failing at my call? What is happening here, Lord? And then there's those seasons of sweetness where God just seems to be blessing everything. But the reality is, for me, I, I walked in. I was like, okay, let's go. We're going to tear everything down and build everything up. And the reality is, pastoring is walking people through a lifelong process of sanctification one degree at a time. It's not quick work. It takes endurance. And the same is true for whatever God calls people to do in his kingdom. It takes endurance. It takes perseverance. You know, Jeremiah may have had a call to pluck up and break down and destroy and overthrow and build and plant, but here's the thing that maybe Jeremiah didn't think about in the beginning of his work that he learned very quickly as he continued to prophesy to Israel and the nations that discouraged him later on. Nations and kingdoms do not want to be plucked up. <laughs> nations and kingdoms do not want to be destroyed. They do not want to be overthrown. They want to endure they want to hold on to power, and they will do whatever is necessary to hold on to that power as long as possible. And that is what Jeremiah was up against in his call. He was up against nations and kingdoms that did not want to let go of the power that they had. That's why Jeremiah's call was so immensely difficult. And brother and sister in Christ, this is what you are up against. This is the exact thing that you're up against. Just like Jeremiah was called to overthrow kingdoms, you and I as followers of Jesus are called to overthrow the kingdom of the enemy. Do you understand that? That anything that you do for the kingdom of God, you are plucking up, you are tearing down, you are destroying, you are overthrowing so that you can build and you can plant God's kingdom. So we, we have to have the right perspective and expectation of the work that God's calling us to. How do you think it's going to go? Satan hates God. He hates the kingdom of God. He hates you as a child of God. Do you think he will give up ground in his kingdom easily? No, he will not. We are in a battle. We cannot go into any work that we do for God with this skewed kind of North American view of victory as though it's going to be easy. Victory is just going to come. God's going to bless everything that I go. God's work is hard. 
And each season, whether you're tearing down, whether you're building up, whether you're planting, has its own challenges and difficulties. Sometimes it's as difficult to build as it is to tear down. Why do you think sharing the gospel is so hard? Why do you think it's so hard? Because when you're sharing the gospel, you are attempting to tear down Satan's kingdom. And what does he use to keep us from doing it? The fear of man. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord is with you wherever you go. I want us to understand doing good works for the Lord is the most fulfilling thing we can do as we abide in Jesus, producing good fruit. But it's not easy. It's not easy. And this is why last week when I talked about Daniel, I didn't, I didn't focus on the blessings of God because when you read Daniel, God blessed him immensely in all of his faithfulness. You read Jeremiah, it's a different story. You read Job, it's a very different story. Right? And so we can't have this idea that faithfulness is directly correlated to God's blessings. God holds us fast. We will be blessed in eternity for the work that we do, but it's not always going to be easy here. And I think a lot of us think, well, I'm just going to step into it and it's going to be successful. You know, sometimes you're going to step into something and it's going to fail and it doesn't mean that it was wrong. And we just have to trust the Lord and not fear man, but trust God. And so do you fear God over man? Here's another thing I know about each one of us that we see in Jeremiah 1, 11 to 13. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. See what God's doing there? God's testing Jeremiah. He's testing Jeremiah's sight before he sends him out. He's like, Bloop, here's a vision. What do you see, Jeremiah? Yeah, good. You passed that test. What do you see now, Jeremiah? Yeah. You're seeing correctly. Do you know that God trains you up for what he has for you? Not only did he knit you together for what he has for you, but he trains you up for what he has for you. You look at Moses and the staff, right? What does God do? He tells Moses to throw the staff on the ground. It turns into a snake, picks it back up. God's showing him how to use the staff. We look at Paul, the apostle Paul. Paul was trained immensely well as an Israelite, as a Jew. And he came to Christ and God used that to teach the Jews because he knew the Old Testament so well. You may be a new creation in Christ, and the old has passed away, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't use what came before in your life. God knows what he's knitted into you, and he uses what you've experienced in your life before Christ, as well as in Christ, for the work that he has for you to do. Right? When, I, when I think about my life, I'm like, before I knew Christ, I wanted to be a teacher. Hello. <laughs> Like I went to school to be a history teacher. I loved history. Hated public speaking, but I was good at it. Loved studying. At one point, I was like, I just want to be a lifelong student. God was like, <laughs> here you go. Right? Like he uses the things he's knitted into us. He uses our experiences. This is what he says to Jeremiah in verse 17. Dress yourself for the work. 
Dress yourself for the work. Arise. Say to them everything I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay them before you. God says, Jeremiah, dress yourself for the work. That, that's this word that says, gird yourself up. What does it mean? Gird yourself up. It's this idea that the men used to wear robes and they had long girds and they had to, they'd have to tie them around themselves so they could do strenuous work or they could run. God says, okay, prepare yourself for work. I've got work for you. And do everything that I command you. Be obedient, Jeremiah. And you see what God says to him? I think it's very interesting. He says the same thing to us. He says, do not be dismayed by them. He says, Jeremiah, do not fear them. Don't be intimidated. Don't be discouraged. Another meaning for that word is don't lie prostrate before them. You serve me and me alone. And then God gives Jeremiah a warning. He says, do not be dismayed before them, lest I dismay you before them. Ouch. God's saying, Jeremiah, if you lose your courage and you give in to the fear of man, that word there, it means I will shatter you. I will break you. I will break you down because of your lack of obedience. That's harsh. But lack of obedience is rooted in fear of man. And God takes it very seriously because he knows if we're stuck in the fear of man, then we're not going to rightly fear him. And we're not going to rightly be obedient to him. So this is why God gives Jeremiah this strong warning. Here's your growth step for this week. As we talk about the fear of man. Next week, we're going to dig into what are some of the symptoms of the fear of man. No, two weeks from now. And then we're going to look at, like I say, the, the cure for this fear. How do we get over it? But for this week, your growth step. What good works are you not doing out of fear? What good works has God created you in Christ for that you are not stepping into specifically because of the fear of man? Where does the fear of man hold you captive? I know what it's like to struggle with the fear of man. It holds you captive. And it's something that needs to be broken off of our life. And so my encouragement to you is come before the Lord and ask. And then confess to God. And ask Him to uproot that fear of man in your life. And then increase your faith so that you can trust Him and fear Him as you should. And as always, there's going to be people up here after service that want to meet with you and want to pray with you. And so if there's a, a, something you just need to like, talk to someone, like, I'm just, I'm struggling with fear. If you need prayer over it, there's going to be people here who are going to pray for you for that very thing. Let's pray together now. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, and I thank you for the good works that you've prepared beforehand for all those who are in Christ. Lord, would you help us to trust that whatever you have for us, you've knitted it into us and you've prepared us for it. 
that we don't need to be afraid. Because when you call us to do something, it is ultimately for your purposes and your glory. And Father, when we take steps of faith and steps of obedience, may we not have the kind of North American mindset that everything is just going to work out so perfectly all the time. Just like in Jeremiah's life, we can be faithful and it can be very, very hard. And it can look like you're not blessing the work, but we are exactly where you call us to be. And we just need to remain steadfast and we need to remain trusting in you. And so, Lord, maybe there's those here today who are just like, God, I feel like I'm being faithful, and it just feels like I've been stuck in the muck and the mire for so long. Father, I just pray that you would encourage them. Encourage them in that, that you have not left them, that you have not forsaken them, that there are difficult seasons because we live in a fallen and broken world. And that just because they can't see your blessing over them right now, does not mean that you are not with them. Help us to trust you in every season. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that because you sent your son for us, we can trust that you are with us always and you are for us. And we can trust in that promise in Romans that all things will work together for good for those who love you. We praise you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.